0: Hi, my name is Jared Dilley, and you're listening to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show.
1: All right, and thank you so much for joining The Suns Solar Panel podcast, or if you're watching on the YouTube version along with us right now, we really do appreciate you. No, Greg Esposito today. He is gone in Hawaii. Don't worry, he'll be back next week, but we do have... One of my favorite people on the planet. Thank you, Mister Dave King. How's it going, buddy?
2: Woo-hoo! I made it to his favorite people on the planet list.
1: Listen, so uh, coming up later on the podcast version of this um, is an interview that you just did with John Bloom. How'd that go?
2: Yeah, so John Bloom is uh, a big time radio voice and sometimes TV voice for the Phoenix Suns. He backs up Al McCoy a lot uh, on the uh, radio and TV. And uh, he and I talked about the draft. Uh, he gave his feedback on the draft, his opinion on folks who were mad at him after <laughs> hearing his opinion on the draft on social media. And he, he gave us some of his thoughts on that and what he's looking forward to next year. It's a really great interview. We've got about 20 minutes of that with John Bloom uh, for uh, diehard Suns fans or anyone who's watched TV or listened to the radio broadcast, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, the guy has worked for the Suns for many, many years. He sometimes labels himself as a homer, and um, all the time that's true. Uh, so you're going to hear some positive Suns thoughts from John Bloom.
1: And I do want to apologize. We do have Jim on uh, the YouTube saying everything is echoing and uh, I've been having some mic problems. If you've been tuning into the show for a while, you know that that's the truth. So I'm using a backup mic today. I hope to have it fixed my next week, so apologies to that. Uh, looking forward to the John Bloom interview, but this is very important. Uh, I'm really excited. We are getting ready for Sun Summer League, and ourselves here at the Solar Panel, along with Bright Side of the Sun and the uh, Fanning the Flames podcast, are organizing a get-together in Phoenix. This is going to be Saturday july 6th it is at the mirage hotel at the still crafts and drafts and eats bar uh if you guys want to rsvp we'd really appreciate it so we have an idea of about how large of a reservation to make just go on our um our, our facebook, page, facebook page the events there and then you can rsvp but it'll be fun to be on vegas and party with you guys
2: what time do we have that starting at tim
1: eight o'clock eight o'clock Yep.
2: all righty
1: is uh are you gonna get lit Hmm? are you going to get lit
2: um you know my my level of lit's a little different than probably your level of lit but i'll be there
1: (laughs) uh all right sunsock so hey dave give me your thoughts on the draft you were not on the show that greg and i recorded we gave our immediate reaction uh i was a bit more positive than he was but uh, you know let's (laughs) uh let's get yours
2: Greg seemed like he was echoing the worst of Suns fans and you know what it's probably because he spent a little bit of time on Twitter um, uh, during the draft. man, look the draft was unexpected but I'm just gonna give my my bottom line output. The bottom line output is that the Phoenix the, the GM James Jones has been saying for a whole year what he's gonna do and he actually did what he said he was gonna do and now people are unhappy about that. Um, he's done with the 19-year-old high draft picks that you have to start for for years before they get good and know how to win games. He's all in on the older guys, and he wants 22 to, to 26 to 28 and 29-year guys um, who know how to play the game of basketball. So the Suns on draft night came out of the draft with a very solid backup center in Aaron Baines, who they've said they are bringing in next season. Uh, and, and to back up Deandre Ayton, and the dude is going to make Ayton tougher, just like PJ Tucker made Devin Booker tougher. Devin Booker came out of the college as a finesse player, and uh, but being guarded by PJ Tucker in practice for a couple of years made him a lot tougher. And they talked about that, and that uh, that that really worked for Booker. Let's hope someone like that can do that for uh, Deandre Ayton. Aaron Baines has been a very effective player. They also have a starting caliber. Power forward that came out of this and not out of the draft, uh, but he's still only 24, 25 years old, Dario Saric. uh, and, And so the Suns suddenly have the power forward that they've been wanting for a while. The dude, yes, he's only under contract for one more year as a restricted free agent, but that's like acquiring Kelly Oubre. So basically they did it, Kelly Oubre all over again with Dario Saric at power forward. Cam Johnson, you know what? Cam Johnson was not a great pick at number 11. We know this. Nobody is disputing that. I think what James well, Jones's point of view is, well, not a great pick at eleven. He was a good first round pick. What James Jones is disputing, probably, is that it doesn't matter how you guys got how you got the guys on the roster if they contribute to winning games. You're going to be happy they're on the roster. And Cam Johnson will probably have a ten year career, assuming his hips hold up, a ten year career or more as a shooter in a rotation for a very good team. And that's, you know, if you get that, you get that. Ty Jerome, he sure looks like a Steve Blake to me. And Steve Blake's a new assistant coach for the uh, Phoenix Suns. And I always hated Steve Blake because he was so damn effective and efficient. He made all the right plays and made all the right passes and, and made the big shots. I really liked watching Steve Blake play as long as he wasn't beating my team. And I feel like Ty Jerome is very much that same kind of player. So I'm not negative about how the draft came out. Yes, the Suns did not get a Jarrett Culver who could, in a couple of years, become a very good player. They did not get a Brandon Clark who, in a couple of years, could be a very good player. What they got is guys who, this year, will be pretty good. They have lower ceilings, but they have higher floors.
1: You know what's funny? So we did our live reaction right after the draft, and it was by far our most watched YouTube episode so far, close to like 3,000 people. And it it got way more downvotes than it normally gets. So I was like, what the hell is going on? Uh,
2: Then you listen to Greg. (laughs)
1: uh, Apparently there are a lot of Cam Johnson fans out there.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of just Suns fans. People, uh, when you're you're a fan of a team, you're going to talk yourself into just about anything until they actually do it on the court. And the thing is, we don't. We the Suns have come out of the last several drafts with B or or higher grades, and they've won fewer games every ga- goddamn year. So how about we don't worry about the draft grades and we worry about the team that's on the court next year? And we won't know. This could be the worst summer of Suns history. This could be the beginning of the next era of Suns history. We won't know this until November.
1: You know what's funny too? I was thinking um. Uh, it was What was it? Uh, three, four or five episodes ago, we were talking about who would be the type of I think I asked you who would be the type of center that you would want to put next to DeAndre Ayton. And I think the first name you said was Aaron Baines.
2: He, the dude is going to be perfect. I, I did a Q&A with Jeff Clark, who runs Celtics blog. He's been running Celtics blog for a lot longer than I've run, run side, bright side of the sun. Love the guy. They love Aaron Baines. And I asked him specific questions about Aaron Baines being a good practice player, locker room guy, all that, they say the dude is top-notch, and he is going to bang against DeAndre Aiden in practice every single day and make the dude tougher.
1: Uh, Bicentennial Kid on the YouTube chat says, will the Suns finally get rid of Josh Jackson and Dragan Bender?
2: Well, I tell you what, uh, draft night, basically they replaced Dragan Bender with Dario Saric. There's no way Dragan Bender comes back to this team um, I really think with Cam Johnson in the rotation on the wings, because the dude, he's too skinny to be a power forward. You can slot him there. I tell you what, if you put Cam Johnson at power forward, he's likely to get more rebounds than TJ Warren or Kelly Oubre or Mikel Bridges would ever get. But that's only going to be five or six instead of three or four. Cam Johnson is not a power forward. He's as much a power forward as anybody the Suns put there last year, where really Cam Johnson is on the wing. And where I'm going with this is – he basically replaced Josh Jackson in the rotation. I don't think I don't think there's any way Josh Jackson plays another game for the Phoenix Suns.
1: Really? Not one more game?
2: I don't think there's any way. There's no way the dude's coming back to summer league cuz he shit the bed last year shooting literally 24% from the field in summer league last year. It's almost impossible to shoot 24% from the field in a summer league game where nobody plays defense.
1: Uh, Stephen on the YouTube chat, uh, he actually directed this question to me, but I'm going to direct it to you, Dave. Is Ty Jerome the American version of Steve Nash?
2: No, 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 no. Ty Jerome is not Steve Nash. Please, people, stop trying to make the under white guy your next Steve Nash just because you're a Phoenix Suns fan. Ty Jerome is more like, I, to, I mentioned it earlier, he's more like Steve Blake. Um, he's uh, hopefully better than Luke Ridnour. If we're gonna be racist like that dude, a little bit, you know, Rienau,
1: he was sneaky good. Like there were there was a time when Luke Row sneaky would, good. Uh, you know, okay, he was so he was, Ty he Jerome was a good better
2: than David Stockton, who's another sneaky, you know, people thought David Stockton was gonna have a good career. Um, and and really, I'm I'm sorry I'm, I'm profiling on the white point guards, but basically Ty Jerome is the dude okay, let's go Fred Van Bleet. Fred Van Bleet came out of college and Jalen Brunson last year, uh, uh, Fred Van VanVleet, three years ago, Jalen Brunson last year, a couple of other guys have come out of college as the point guard who led their team to the final four of the national championship, was under-athletic, um, was not really profiling as a great NBA player, and are now really good second-string guys and part-time starters. And people really wanted Fred Van VanVleet last summer for the Phoenix Suns as a restricted free agent. That's the kind of guy Ty Jerome is. Ty Jerome tries hard on defense, plays really smart. is an excellent pick-and-roll point guard. He can shoot. He can pass. He can do a lot of things. He's not going to be a star, but he's going to be a very good player. And if we're lucky, he'll be like a Jalen Brunson or a Fred VanVleet.
1: Well, that's one thing you you can take away from the Suns draft night moves is that they were clearly targeting shooting. Uh, from basically every position except Mm -hmm. for the backup big. Uh, And Sharich, we went over this on the last episode, but just comparing rebound percentages.
2: Even Aaron um, Bates shot 35% on threes.
1: How many did he take? Three?
2: No, he took a few. He took a few.
1: Um, The the rebounding is is going to get better with Uh, Sharich. Sharich actually had a quote. uh, He said, I don't feel like I got a fair shot in Minnesota, and I'm really expecting that now for Phoenix.
2: Because he knows Monty Williams, uh, they uh, Monty Williams was on the Sixers bench, I think, for just last season. I forgot to look this up before the podcast today, so sorry if I'm wrong. And so he got about a half a season of Darius Sarge um, in his rotation before Sarge got traded for Jimmy Butler, um, and really that was a almost a net neutral trade for the Sixers. I don't, I know people that you want the stars on your team, but they ended up almost too many me first you know eat first players that that didn't quite work out most as often as they hoped but having anyway um Dario Sharj and Robert Covington were really two of the guys who really helped the Sixers become a better team the year before last and he did not get a great shot in Minnesota I'm not exactly sure why and I really hope he does get a good shot in Phoenix because Sarge is just 25, and he's on a great contract. He'll be a restricted free agent next summer. So if he doesn't work out, let him go. If he does work out, re-sign him, just like you're doing with Kelly Oubre.
1: Um, I was told that he didn't fit the system.
2: Okay. Well, Monty Williams uh, saw the system he fit into in Philadelphia, so we can only hope because they acquired Sarge, Monty Williams must like Sarge, and we can only hope that he's going to work an offense that makes Sarge good. Uh, Sarich is a really good passer. He's a really smart, heady front court player. He can rebound a bit. He can defend enough to uh, make your defense not embarrassing. He's not a good rim protector, uh, but he's a heck of a three-point shooter, and he can actually make plays off the dribble too.
1: He's he's an underrated defender for sure. He's a bit of a streaky shooter. He can go you know a couple of weeks really without being able to make anything, uh, and then a couple of weeks where he's making everything. Uh, but what I like about him is that he is, he is a good defender. And uh, like I said, in the last episode at this point for the Suns, I'm just happy that they came out of the draft filling a need on the roster. It wasn't point guard. And yes, that was more important. And (laughs) hopefully they'll, they'll address that, but they had two holes on the roster and they filled one of them.
2: Yeah. And they still may target another kind of guy, um, that just plays defense first and offense less. Maybe an Alvaro Camino in free agency, but if you don't get Alvaro Camino and and you do get a point guard that wants uh, your twenty million dollars in space that you can create uh, if you want to, and that guy wants all the money, so you don't have money left for a good power forward. Well, guess what? You've already got him. You've got Darius Arch who can start next year. If you sign an Alvaro Camino, if you if you sign a uh, Thad Young, Thaddeus Young from Indiana. Then you start that guy and have Shars come off the bench, but he'll still be very good for the team.
1: Uh, so let's talk about, so Tyler Johnson, he opt-in.
2: Yeah, after the draft, I thought that was interesting. The timing of him opting in, it was all up to him. It was on his own timing. He could do it whenever he wants. Every day you hear about a new player opting into their 2019-20 contract. Um it's interesting. Of course, he wasn't going to put nineteen dollars, nineteen million dollars on the table and say, "Nah, I think I am going to do it. I am going to do okay in free agency." He's not going to say that. So, of course, he's going to take that nineteen million dollars. Now it's up to the Suns on what they're going to do with it. You can wave stretch him and spread that nineteen million over three years and basically create another twelve million in cap space. The Suns, right now, as of now, with their roster, are are likely to have thirteen million dollars in cap space. Which won't be enough for a big free agent or two mid level free agents. So you have to create space somewhere else. That's either dumping Josh Jackson on another team who will absorb his contract, or it's just simply releasing Tyler Johnson and stretching him and create another 12 million. So now you're up to 25 million, or you can do both and get over 30.
1: So are you able to pull up the Suns cap sheet? Yep. Uh, yes. So pull that up just because I'm I'm doing the YouTube thing. It's a little bit hard for me with my screens. Uh, let's go ahead and let's reset the cap situation for the Suns uh, reset who is currently on the roster as well as uh, the players that the Suns have options to not be on the roster without having to make a trade to make that happen.
2: Sure. Okay. Well, let me just go through the depth chart real quick. Right now the Suns actually have five nominal point guards on their roster. None of them are starting quality. Uh, but you start with Tyler Johnson, which, who we just talked about. You have Ty Jerome and Jalen Lecue, who both have guaranteed contracts, uh, will have guaranteed contracts in, in terms of Ty Jerome. He hasn't signed yet, but for two years. You've got Kobo and DeAnthony Melton, who only have one guaranteed year left each. Kobo has two team options after that. DeAnthony Melton does not. So it looks like you've replaced the Acobo-Melton combo with a jerome Lecue combo. Uh, at shooting guard, you've got Devin Booker. He's pretty much by himself there. At small forward, yeah. you've got Kelly Oubre as a restricted free agent. All signs point to him re signing with the Suns. It's probably in my book of 95% chance he's re signing with the Suns. you got Mikel Bridges. You currently have Josh Jackson and you have Cam Johnson. So Mikel and Cam, definitely they're keeping. Kelly Oubre. They're almost definitely keeping. So that means Josh Jackson is on his way out. He only has one guaranteed year left at 7000000 million. He's got a team option for almost $9 million for 2020-21 season. And it's right now it's pretty likely that won't get picked up. At power forward, you have Dario Sharich, who's under contract for one more year. They just acquired him, so of course they're going to keep him. And at center, you have DeAndre Aiden and Aaron Baines. Uh, Baines has one year left, DeAndre and of course, you know, is going to be here a while. So um, that's really the roster. The fungible parts are Acobo, Melton, and Jackson. And Tyler Johnson.
1: And let's talk about the cap.
2: So with the cap, the Suns right now, if you don't count, and I did not mention Reshawn Holmes, because if you've got Aaron Baines as your backup center, you don't want Reshawn Holmes coming back, or you don't need him coming back. So... Assuming the Suns don't bring Rashawn Holmes back, assuming they also uh, re- remove or renounce their free agent rights to Troy Daniels, Jamal Crawford, and Jim for debt as well. And uh, assuming you don't even have Ray Spaulding on your cap uh, right now, he's got a non guaranteed contract for next year. Assuming all those things, but keeping Kelly Oubre's cap hold, the Suns have $13 million to spend in free agency. That's before any more further moves to clear cap space.
1: All right. Um, so, so it's $13 million bucks. Right. But they can, you know, so basically the Suns need to get a max spot. You stretch Tyler, you trade Jackson and a Cobo or Melton, and you, you have max space.
2: Exactly. You can um, simply without getting any other team to agree to anything. The Suns can stretch Tyler Johnson, and they can get up to $25 million at the blink of an eye.
1: Jake Kuntz, or Kuntz, I apologize if I butchered your last name there, buddy. He says on the YouTube chat that it would take at least a first-round pick to trade Josh Jackson. Do you agree?
2: Um, I don't know. Certainly the Suns are not going to give up any more first-round picks. They gave out the Milwaukee pick to get Ty Jerome and Aaron Baines. Uh, they don't have any. The only picks they've got left are high first and high seconds, likely coming up in the future. They're not going to trade a high first, so there's no way the Suns are going to include Josh Jackson. What what uh, was suggested on the Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks uh, podcast yesterday that I think is is very true that teams once they strike out in free agency, there's there's more than ten teams with twenty plus million dollars in cap space. That doesn't even include the Suns we just talked about can easily get to twenty five. Um, when people run out of players that they want to sign off the free agent market, then teams would be more willing to absorb Josh Jackson to give a 21 year old kid, a second chance at a great career. So I really think Josh Jackson will probably be on the roster on the first day of free agency, but he won't be on the roster by the end of July.
1: Fair. Uh, So speaking.
2: And it won't take a first round pick to get rid of him. I think it'll be pretty easy to actually do some kind of value trade, small value trade, like for another failed uh, high pick, (laughs) just a couple of teams swapping. So I'm not sure that's actually, Josh Jackson is an easy cap clearing move. I really think um, the cap clearing move would be, um, Tyler Johnson is about it, or just literally trading one of the guys you thought you were going to keep
1: it um, feels Brad TV on YouTube chimed in with the, what I think is a pretty good point. Uh, and he said, once teams miss out on free agents though, we'll have missed the Suns will have missed their chance on free agents as well.
2: Oh, sure. That's why I'm saying you probably cannot count Josh Jackson's 7 million for next year as free agent money, because he'll still be on the roster by the time those guys are wanting to sign contracts. Mm-hmm. The only thing you really can do without another team agreeing to something to absorb the free agent money is to release Tyler Johnson.
1: <laughs> Who do you think was better? Archie Goodwin or Josh Jackson?
2: I you know what? I've talked about this for 2 years on this podcast and you know it. They are like mirror images of each other. They're that Spider-Man meme of the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other.
1: Yes, but who's Nobody better? wanted who's to believe better? me, but they what? Who's been better though? Who's been better? Yeah. Who would you rather have on the Suns roster?
2: I'd actually still rather have Josh Jackson. But if you actually pull up all their stats, hundred percent the same. If you look at them on the court, hundred percent the same. Neither can finish in the in contract. They they all look for con. They both look for contract in the in the paint and barely finish what they were putting up there.
1: Yeah, Josh uh, Jackson. He has a way of. I, he doesn't understand geometry and I, <laughs> physics anything no I'm, I'm serious though because a lot of basketball is geometry and he likes to take these weird shots off the glass but he's not getting the ball on the glass where it needs to go to get in in the hoop and it's the weirdest thing because it looks like me playing pickup
2: yeah i know <laughs> his 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 scary bad touch in in the rim. i mean there is no such thing as a floater in josh josh jackson's book it's a howitzer
1: Uh, Tiger Scorpio said losing TJ hurt. And I'm so confused. I I, do TJ Warren. We haven't talked about it enough, but he, uh, has been one of my favorite Suns players now for a while. And I always just really, even though he was, he was a, a sieve on defense. He didn't pass the ball. There were things about his game that didn't work with what the Suns were trying to do. And it became very clear this year that he wasn't a good fit with this particular roster, but I am really sad to see him.
2: I'm not. I'm sorry. I've got to admit it. I don't know how uh, open I've been about this over the last couple of years. Some people say I've hated on him for years. Others will say they thought I liked him. Um, TJ Warren is a nice guy, though he had really thin skin. He was terrible in interviews, and he really distrusted media. Um, he's an he's a offensive player, but he doesn't take the shots you want him to take. And you know what? Um, the, the, the Suns are bringing in smart basketball players right now. They're bringing in Ty Jerome, they're bringing in Darius Arch, they're guys like that who are, it's going to be, you guys are going to be amazed at how much less you hear the Suns after a game go, someone forgot to play. Well, guess what? It's TJ Warren who was forgetting plays more often than not. It was TJ Warren who was who was guarding the wrong guy, making the wrong switch. He would forget a play right after timeout. And I'm not saying he's not smart. He's definitely smart. But TJ Warren did not want to play, did not naturally want to play in a system. He's not a natural system guy. The best shots he took last year were catch and shoot threes. And he tried to take fewer and fewer of them as the season went on. And then he, for some reason, wouldn't even come back at the end of the year just to take his final five attempts so he can get a $250,000 bonus. Um, So behind the scenes, the Suns had a bad relationship with TJ Warren that they probably perpetuated on their own on the court though. I, I find it funny that people are in love with T.J. Warren, but they hate the idea of Cam Johnson. Both guys only bring one thing to the to the team, which is scoring.
1: Uh, I don't know enough about Cam Johnson.
2: Um, well, Cam Johnson's a great catch and shooter. If you looked at um, the way Clay Thompson plays on offense, not defense, but the way Klay Thompson plays on offense for Golden State, that's Cam Johnson's game. Where he runs off screen, he runs off double screens, run through. And he's six nine with a six ten wingspan, so he get he doesn't get blocked. So he's like a Clay Thompson, who's six eight himself. Um, <clears throat> that's that's the only comparison to Clay Thompson. I'm not saying Cam Johnson is Clay Thompson. Please, people, don't tell me I'd said that because I all I said was the way he catches and shoots and gets the ball off off his shot so quickly. He's like a six ten. Let's do better. Let's make it a little bit more um, realistic. He's a he's Troy Daniels at six ten. Let's do that.
1: Um, I watched highlight videos, you know. I watch the the scouting videos that people put out, but uh, you know, I did not see him actually play in college. So before we get John Bloom on and wrap this up, a couple things that we want to talk about. One is if you feel like you get a lot out of this show, out of this podcasting, you want to support. We'd really appreciate you just look at the show notes below or in the description below there's a support the podcast button where you can make a $1 monthly donation it's super easy it really does go a long way it might even be able to get me a new mic that doesn't sound like garbage here pretty soon uh, and I do want to thank Brian Stewart so much for being a subscriber of the show. Yep,
2: yeah, thanks Brian. You got you're a big you're a big fan and big supporter all around.
1: And next up before we get to John Bloom I, there are competing Storylines with whether or not the Suns are interested in D'Angelo Russell, and it's it's you have Gambo who is let's ask Gambo. He's really digging his heels in on this one. The the D'Angelo Russell is not a target for this team, but you have other guys such as Zach Lowe saying that the Suns have openly coveted D'Angelo Russell. There's the obvious ties to Devin Booker and their friendship that make it seem like a lot of sense. Uh, What? Who do we believe?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I tell you what, nobody knew it was going to happen on draft night, right? Nobody plugged in, including Gambo, had any idea the Suns thought Cam Johnson would be somebody they should draft.
1: Well, the Suns Nobody might not thought have Ty either.
2: Jerome was someone they should draft.
1: Was that? The Suns might not have either, I mean, to be frank.
2: Right. So to say that they're – so what I'm saying is to say that the Suns know what they're going to do on July 6th, or July 1st, really, Um, July 6th being the first day of the league year people can actually sign contracts, July 1 being, or actually June 30th at 6 p.m. our time, I believe, Um, 6 p.m. Eastern, so 3 p.m. Arizona time, uh, free agents can start agreeing to contracts. I don't think the Suns know who is going to say yes to them. I believe they're going to reach out to D'Angelo Russell and they're going to see what his interest is. And if he goes... Yep, Devin and I have been talking about this for months. Sign me up; the Suns will sign
1: him. All right, I like it. I like it. Uh, I do. But I, I also
2: think I actually personally think Malcolm Brogdon is a better play than D'Angelo Russell for this team and the makeup of the team and what they need. Uh,
1: dude, I don't. I like Malcolm Brogdon. I realize what he brings to the court, but the dude is not a point guard. He's just not. I he he does his
2: his career assist average is three. <laughs>
1: Like per game, but he's just not. He's he's a really good off ball um, secondary ball handler on a team, and this team needs a point guard. So it's I like him, but I do not think that he's a good fit on this team. It's kind of like Marcus Smart, right? Like Marcus Smart is a great player, and he brings a lot to the table. Being a point guard or playing that lead guard role isn't exactly the thing that he's bringing to the table, and that's kind of how I feel about Malcolm Brogdon. I, I challenge anybody to tell me one time they've actually seen him make an assist. <laughs> so you're a D'Lo fan? No, I'm not. I don't think D'Lo's is perfect, but I also don't think that you're going to be able to get Chris Paul in his prime right now. So no matter who, nobody's
2: getting nobody's getting Chris Paul in his. Prime. Well,
1: you know what I mean. No matter who. They get, it's always going to, it's going to be a player that has a fault of some sort, and then it's just deciding which fault is the fault to go with, right?
2: What if Kyrie does an about-face and says, no. I'll sign in Phoenix.
1: No, fuck no. <laughs> I'm not about Kyrie Irving, man. I'm not. He's, I realized that he hit a, a big shot in one game. Um, but I do not think that he's good for the culture. I do not think that he's a winning player. I do not think that his effort is there. I do not think that he's good for the locker room. I not a Kyrie guy. I do not want Kyrie on this team. This team already has enough problems. They don't need a a star that thinks he's better than he is.
2: So do you have a favorite? I mean, a favorite possible target for the Suns this
1: summer? I would jump up and down if they got Rubio. Uh, And I realized the issue with shooting that that would – bring and why a lot of people don't want Rubio I think Rubio would be a pretty good fit Uh,
2: he's definitely out of Utah because they got Mike Conley now
1: right but he also doesn't want to play for a rebuilding team true so it's you know one of those things would he even do it but then again how many good contending teams are looking for a point guard and would Rubio be willing to be the backup point guard for a good team I don't know
2: would you want uh, Patrick Beverly at 14 million a year
1: (sighs) for how many years well, probably four. No.
2: So a bunch of teams, I think, are going to offer Patrick Beverly their mid-level right. uh, because the playoff teams are the ones who don't have the cap space. And then um, he's going to have to decide between $9 million a year for a playoff team that he might just come off the bench for or $13, 14000000 a year from a couple of uh, probably offers he's getting from non-playoff teams. Um, and really, you know, those guys grab the money. So I really think he's going to end up probably with the Bulls at this point, although they just took Kobe White, so maybe yeah. not.
1: Uh, I wouldn't mind him on like a two-year. And that's the thing about a lot of these guards is uh, would you want them on a four-year? Like I wouldn't want Malcolm Brogdon on a four-year more than I would want Corey Joseph on a four-year. I'd also want Rubio on a four-year.
2: So you want me to um, give you give Suns fans a heart attack right now?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Darren, Collison. do we need another
2: one? All right, let me let me say this let me just throw this out. <laughs> um, in next year's draft, the 2020 NBA draft, the current big board on ESPN, who are the Draft Express guys who have been dialed in forever, they have four point guards in the top seven picks. So, next year is another point guard year. So, do you want to stopgap and wait until next year to get your point guard of the future?
1: So, the Suns—if you look at the <laughs> first-round point guards they have taken uh, since 2000 uh, Kendall Marshall, um,
2: Ty, um, Ty Ellis, uh, Ennis T- Ennis.
1: Ennis. Ty yeah, Ennis, Tyler Ennis, and now uh, this Jerome kid. Ty Jerome, I, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want the Suns drafting a point guard. The first round. <laughs> well, they
2: haven't taken one at the top. Well, Kendall Marshall was what, twelve or thirteen?
1: He was high. He was fairly high up there. He was he was he was twelve counted. or
2: thirteen. And then um Tyler Ennis was the famous uh twenty-four that year. Number uh drafted. No, eighteenth. He was drafted eighteenth. And now you've got twenty fourth in Ty Jerome. So if you want to take one in the top five, <clears throat> he'll be a good point guard. Maybe we just wait until next year to fill the point guard hole. Why don't we just go with Tyler Johnson for a year? Jesus.
1: Jesus. (laughs) Ten years, man. This team's got to get better. So we've been recording for a while. We do need to go and get to the John Bloom interview so that this episode is not an hour and 20 minutes. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining on YouTube. We're going to have John Bloom coming up next if you are listening to the podcast version of this. And do not forget. Saturday, July 6th, Bright Side of the Sun, the Sun Solar Panel, and Fanning the Flames are putting together a Phoenix Suns get-together. If you want to RSVP, go to the Suns Solar Panel Facebook page. It's the only event we have up there. RSVP, it'll really help. Um, Dave, I'm sure you're going to get something on Bright Side of the Sun in about a week, week and a half or something along those lines.
2: Yep, absolutely. I'll have a Summer League preview because i got to talk about the fact that none of the Suns draft picks except Jalen Lequeux, Will even be eligible for their first summer league game on July fifth because of the trade situation in the league year not starting until the sixth.
1: That yeah, I can't believe they didn't fix that, man. I mean, Is that ridiculous? It's dumb.
2: So there's <laughs>
1: there were how many draft picks
2: traded like part of trades? The, and, they, can't, uh, on, they
1: can't play. It, it doesn't it and, doesn't make sense. And
2: none of them can be final, most of them cannot be final until July sixth
1: stupid but hey it was great chatting with you and now let's go ahead and get on mr john bloom
2: you're listening to the solar panel with greg esposito tim Tompkins, and dave king now back to the show all right john bloom thank you for coming on the show today i appreciate you taking the time out you're about to get on a golf course on um on saturday morning here right
0: yeah, you know, yeah, full disclosure, know, Dave, uh, happy to be with you on the solar panel, first off, uh, right after the draft. Second off, I am out on the East Coast for a wedding of my wife's cousin, uh, a family that I love. I'm looking forward to it. But I was given a green light to play golf once while we were on this trip. And initially, I was going to make the big effort to try to get out to Bethpage Black and scratch that off the bucket list. But then once we decided not to bring the clubs, I decided oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And then we pushed it up to today because the weather looks great and I have time before the actual wedding ceremony. So I just scrambled out to this place called Patriot Hills in Stony Point, New York. I've never been anywhere near here, but uh, I'm going to go peg it in a little bit. But first let's talk uh, Suns basketball because, you know, there's no post game to the draft. You don't get to do what I normally do, which is take phone calls from the fans. Uh, And I feel like whenever you and I get together, Dave, and certainly Tim and Espo fit the bill, too, uh, it's just a bunch of fans talking, and that's what I like to do, uh, you know, to to sort out my own thoughts, let alone figure out what my fellow Suns fans are thinking.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's how we bill our podcast is just a bunch of guys sitting around talking. We don't know anything more than anybody else does, but we like to talk about it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I like to listen to it, too.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, John, um, just to make sure everybody uh, knows where we are with John Bloom. John Bloom uh, has done uh, Suns Radio. He's done um, TV play-by-play backing up Al McCoy in the past. Um, John also covers the NAS Suns in Prescott. Are you doing that again this coming year, John?
0: You know, it's it's most likely uh, in the plans in some fashion. Uh, maybe not every single game, but we're going to uh, figure that out in the coming months. Is uh, you know, you know how the G League goes. It kind of waits for everything to settle in the NBA, and then they figure out what goes on up there. And uh, the draft happens, you know, not till October. They get the rosters set, and then they get going in November. So it's a little bit of a different path than. What we're on with the NBA. So my sights are kind of set where yours are right now, which is Vegas and the summer league and seeing what the latest uh, crew of young sons are going to be able to accomplish there. Maybe also see what Monty is going to be able to accomplish getting his system in place, at least with the young guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, getting out there with you guys and everybody else that's kind of connected to the, the program that, that makes the uh, trip out to Vegas. It's quite a bunch of, of characters that seem to make it out there every summer. So I love doing it myself, and I'm hoping to to lock that in when I get back into town. Uh, so, yeah, that's next. And uh, obviously have loved uh, being a part of the the Sun's radio broadcast uh, for 13 years and, and the TV broadcast as well, as you mentioned. Uh, and now – I feel like I might have like been officially baptized as part of Sun's Twitter the other night because <laughs> I've never received that much hate in my life man i mean that's it's crazy like I thought about responding and, and for if anybody who's listening right now is is one of the guys that kind of you know falls into the category I'm mentioning and I'm not mad at you, I know how how this game works <laughs> uh but i I didn't respond I, I kind of bit my tongue. And uh, and and yet now I feel like this might be a good platform for me to respond to some of it, Dave. Absolutely. Go for it, John. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you listen to any of our uh, production. We, I was on for a couple hours on 98.7 FM with Luke Lipinski uh, and Kellen Olson. And, you know, we jumped on after the trades were made. Uh, Burns and Gambo and, and Bickley and Murata had done the first couple hours. And I was bouncing in and out of the Al McCoy media room and back out with them and talking to different people and trying to get a vibe from some of the Suns people, too, on what was going down. But, you know, it was all my own feeling and my own take that kind of came through on the show. Towards the end of the show, I I let Kellen have it a little bit. I know he falls into the advanced metrics and and kind of that whole realm. I totally appreciate numbers, if anybody – Uh, you know, who doesn't know me out there. Yes, when I was a kid, I was a math elite. Uh, But, you know, I I also appreciate the eye test and and basketball and the game and human beings, okay? And so for me, when I look at guys that we've been drafting, um, you know, and Ryan McDonough was certainly responsible for the majority of these guys that I'm going to mention, but guys uh, that I'll put into the category of you take a guy in the top ten for potential, what he might become. It starts to make me think about the thing we all studied back in elementary school, the whole chrysalis stage, right? The caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And when we're picking which one we want to choose, yeah, man, you want the chance to get the biggest, brightest, most beautiful, strongest butterfly in the group. But when you're looking at them at the different stages, it's impossible sometimes to identify which one's going to be that butterfly. And where I'm at now is I want to get the actual butterfly. I don't want to get the cocoon that might actually turn into the amazing looking butterfly. I don't want to get the caterpillar that seems to be the strongest of the bunch and has the best chance to turn into the beautiful butterfly. I want to get a guy that's the one that's actually made it through, that's strong enough to make it through all those stages and is ready to now fly as a butterfly. Does that make any sense? Like, am I getting through to people who all did what I did and went through elementary school? Because for me, The Suns have tried to get the cocoon. They've tried to get the Caterpillar, and it just is not working right now to build a competitive group. But yet, you know what they do have? A guy that went through that stage and has a chance to be one of the best in the league at his position, and that's Devin Booker. The other thing they have is a guy who has a chance to be one of the best bigs in the league, and that's DeAndre Ayton. So now what you need to do is put other ones around guys like that who have already played with guys who are the best. the best. And I think that's what James Jones is trying to do. Now, I'm not saying Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome are the biggest and the best. What I'm saying is they've already kind of made it through stages. Cam Johnson played a couple years at Pitt. That's ACC. Transferred to North Carolina. Stayed in the ACC. Played for Roy Williams. And listening to him talk about him yesterday made me even happier that the Suns were able to pick him. Now, I know a lot of people are ripping him for reaching because he was nowhere near 11 on everybody's mock drafts. But guess what? That's all those are mock. So now you move on and you look at what a guy who is unanimously called the best shooter in the draft. And you people out there are freaking out that this is a horrible reach. He's unanimously called the best at something in this draft. And he's made it through a lot of stages already in his career and doesn't need to be taught how to play basketball. And that's my last bit on this last four coaches for the Suns have all told me in their own way, they all speak their own kind of way, right? And you can go back and think about each individual and who they are. And I'm including, you know, interim in that, in that bunch. But they've all had this conversation. And, Dave, I think you've been in the room for many of them, if not all of them. They've all said how surprised they were at how little the guys coming into the league know about basketball and how much they had to teach as an NBA coach. Well, this leads me to the, to the whole point I'm trying to make. If you can skip that step, if you can get a couple guys that have already learned a good amount, I think it helps expedite that process to be competitive. I'm not trying to say it helps get you to be the playoff team that everybody, including me, wants the Phoenix Suns to be. I just think it helps speed it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, who is the actual best basketball player amongst the young guys uh, the Suns have had over the last several years? It's Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges played four, uh, three years uh, at, at Villanova. And the dude was ready to play in the NBA. He did all the right things. Uh, and, and people really liked watching him play. Kelly Oubre, when he came in, the dude has only is, was only in his fourth year this past year in the NBA. And yet he looked like a veteran. Well, you know, Kelly Oubre isn't going to be the smartest basketball player on the court. He at least knew how to play the game. And, yeah. and we're just not used to that. We're, we're used to guys like Josh Jackson and Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris and Archie Goodwin and – Alex Lynn. By the way, the Suns have nobody left on their roster prior to the 2015. uh, uh, Prior to the 2017 draft, they only have Devin Booker left. Yeah. All those drafts. All those youngest guys in the drafts drafts. Remember when uh, the Suns started three teenagers two different times with two different sets of three teenagers a couple years ago? We've been there. Uh, Yeah, and now you've got this Jalen LeCue that people haven't even picked up on. The Suns, immediately after the draft, signed a little – they call him Baby Westbrook. He does little triple-doubles in high school, and he sat out a year um, uh, before coming into the NBA, becoming eligible in the NBA. And you're going to see him – if you're doing the NAS Suns stuff next year, you're going to see him because he's already under guaranteed contract. You're going to see him in Summer League on July 5th. He's about the only rookie who will be eligible, actually, because – He wasn't part of a trade that won't go through until July 6th um, (laughs) to start Summer League. Um, So Jalen McHugh is a dude who just turned 19 years old. That was the world for the Suns, and now that kid is an afterthought because they're going to do it right. They're actually going to give him a year, almost probably the entire year, in the G League, Um, and and the kid's going to be exciting and dominate, but he's going to be doing exactly what he should have been doing as a 19-year-old, what all 19-year-olds should be doing. It's watching. Watching the yeah. big guys play. And, and now the Suns uh, with the acquisition of Dario Sharks, there's actually a power forward who can actually play 30 minutes of power forward and get away with it um, and actually be fairly productive. And he'll probably be the second best passer on the entire team next year, Dario Shartz. Uh You've got a backup in Aaron Baines who actually knows how to play center in the league. You've got Ty Jerome who won a national championship. Um, you've got um, Mikkel Bridges. Obviously, we've seen what when you come from a winning program, and you know how to win. You're going to bring winning uh, habits to your team. And while Ty Jerome might be fighting for that third uh, point guard slot or the backup point guard slot, he'll probably he'll he'll be a lot more advanced than De'Anthony Melton and Elliot Cobo, a lot more ready to play uh, than those guys. And of course, you've got Cam Johnson, who may only ever be a shooter, but you know what? Every team needs good shooters. When you watch the NBA Finals, you've got Quinn Cook out there, who um, Played for the for the Warriors, and all that kid can do is shoot. And he's only six four, and he can't do anything else. But he is a he is a quality rotation player
0: on a Finals team. Exactly, and and a guy that you don't have to teach the game. I go back to that too. Now, here's the thing: uh, you just sounded a little bit like a homer, Dave.
2: <laughs> I sounded like a guy who's ready to watch grown ups play
0: basketball in the Phoenix area. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And, and, and you know, I think a lot of us are there. But I also understand uh, how people get the anticipation built for the draft and the expectations built and maybe like a wish list developed, right? And so we've got a number of names on that wish list. And if they don't take any of those names, yeah, it could be disappointing. And you could feel like it's a total fail. I, I just don't really understand the vitriol and the hatred uh, not just from fans, Suns fans, you know, bring it. That's fine. And, you know, we're all on the same team. So that should be like a, a healthy discourse between us all. And, and I know often on Twitter it just never is because it just it gets ugly rather than, than being able to be one of those, uh, you know, healthy conversations more often than not. And that's why I decided to just kind of cap it and not even respond. But uh, I'm glad that, that you and I can, can have the conversation because I want, I want people to understand that, yes, I am a homer. I'll fully admit I'm a homer. Why? Because I've been a Suns fan since I was 13 years old, and I'm 44 now, so that's a long time. I mean, to to kind of dedicate time of your life and money from your life and, uh, you know, uh, ignore your family time sometimes because the Suns need to take priority, you know, there's all those things that that a lot of you out there listening, I know you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, yes, I'm a homer. But when I'm on the air, uh, when I'm broadcasting, when I have a headset on and I'm either uh, being paid by the team or the radio station, uh, well, then I'm a professional, and I will take that to my grave. And anybody who's watched me go to work, I hope that that you you would agree with that, because that's something I've prided myself on. It's what I've trained to do since almost being that age of 13 when I became a Sunset. In fact, maybe a little bit before. I think I was 11 when I realized this is what I wanted to do for my life. So... You know, I take it seriously, uh, but on Twitter, um, you know, occasionally on the air, if I'm hosting a, a call-in show or a talk show, whatever it happens to be, I might let the opinion slip out a little bit more than I do uh, usually on a broadcast. And, and on a podcast, I kind of feel like, you know, the cuffs are off even more, and, and I can uh, let it fly, and I can just tell you where I'm coming from, which is, man, when you, when you host a show that, that breaks down games – uh, and that talks to fans about those games after nine years of losing. And I know one of those years was pretty exciting where we almost made the playoffs, and I'm not going to group that in, so maybe eight years of misery. Uh, it, it beats you down a little bit. It does. And so I'm at a point where I'm not really willing to roll the dice anymore. Like From, from a standpoint of strategy, I agree with what the Suns are doing. I, I don't think that it would have been better to trade up and try to swing the bat for a 19-year-old right now with this group. And so for that reason, I actually was pretty positive on Thursday night where I know most of the world was predominantly negative.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, John.
0: I appreciate it. Uh, looks like you are
2: about to get onto your golf course, and I don't want to hold you up. Do you have any other final thoughts you want to say? How about free agency? Let's talk about that for one minute.
0: Yeah. Um, where,
2: what do you think the Suns absolutely have to get out of free agency? And do you are you ascribing to what Gamador, John Gambadoro is saying that the Suns should be shooting for the Corey Josephs of the world, or do you really think they should go all in for Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh like Gambo says? There's no way in heck the Suns are going to go after that, or Malcolm Brogdon. Like, what what's the guy that you think fits with this now this roster
0: here? Uh, well, you just nailed the guy for me. I would love to see it be Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know if that's doable. And Gambo's much closer to all, like, the, the scoops and breaking news than I am. That's just uh, not something that I've taken part in. But I do enjoy watching the soap opera transpire online between him on Twitter and John Gambadoro. And let me tell you, as a person, because I've gotten to know him now for 15, 16 years, uh, Gambo's salt-of-the-earth type guy. He really is. He's a really good guy. Uh, and so some of you guys might get a little, uh, you know, angry with the way he goes about his business or maybe want to poke holes at what he does, and that's fine. I know that seems to be the prevailing thought that we should all do that and hide behind our avatars and online profiles, and I just don't think any of you guys would do that if you met him in person. I, I don't, and I think Dave probably would echo that. i, I That's just a guess on my behalf, Dave. But.
1: Yep, uh, I agree.
0: Yeah so so again and I I kind of feel that about James Jones too I I wonder about all the Suns fans and what you would say uh, those of you who are spewing hate and throwing fire at him for what, what he did Thursday night and his staff, let me not just say it's James, it's Trevor, it's Jeff Bauer, it's Monty, it's everybody else in the room. Uh, I just wonder if you were in a room with them, you know, with, with the, no, I know for a fact you wouldn't say that stuff. And so just think twice, you know, before you go ahead and do that. And uh, I, 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 I want, I, sorry, I digress back to the social thing. Let's get back to free agency. Malcolm Brogdon would be awesome. What I want the most Here's what I want the most, and it's not a name, and I'm sorry to disappoint Suns fans. It's not one dude. I want a guy who's going to play point guard, who's going to command the room, who all these young guys are going to sit up at attention and listen to. When they're on the floor, they're going to do the same thing. And when he's on the floor, his number one attribute is going to be making everybody else around him better. That's it. Okay, that's the description. Find that guy, James Jones, Monty Williams, Trevor Buckstein, Jeff Bauer. Find that guy. Pay him. Pay him his money. And, uh, and I think it's going to make this team so much better. Now, is it Tyler Johnson? I haven't fully eliminated that. I think people respect Tyler. I think he has this toughness card that he plays that uh, I think teammates really respect, coaches respect. And I've seen that. I just – I'm not sure. So, I don't know if the Suns are sure either. And clearly they're trying to manipulate the, the finances a little bit to make acquisitions. A lot of people think, well, they, yeah, they've got to pay Kelly Oubre. And that seems like a lock that they're going to bring him back. I have no qualms with that at all. Very excited to see the Valley boys continue their progression into whatever it ends up being. Uh, And then, uh, you know, the point guard spot, though, for me, it's just so near and dear to my heart. It's something I always wanted to play. I always ended up playing when I did get minutes and played, whether it was pickup or wherever I played basketball, that was my spot. And I love the point guard spot. And as a Phoenix Suns fan, how can you not? We've had so many greats at that spot. Steve Nash the latest, but for me, it's Kevin Johnson that sucked me into being a Suns fan. That's the dude. That's the reason why I started wearing purple when all my friends were wearing blue and gold and wearing the Golden State logo, all right? And and so I haven't stopped, and I feel spoiled by the guys we've seen run the point, but it's been a little lackluster, and uh, it's time to get back to that. Let's get one of those guys, and uh, hopefully that happens.
2: All right. Thank you very much, John Bloom. Uh, You'll be able to hear him. Um, either on radio or on TV next year with the Suns and likely with the NAS Suns as well. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll bring you on after uh, again this summer after we get the the roster more settled um, sometime in July. What do you think of that?
0: I-, I love it. Maybe even a little solar panel live from Vegas. That could get a little uh, interesting, Ew. right? Depending on yeah, the time. that'd be fun. Yeah, bring you're a gonna live live. Opening, You're going to be
2: there opening weekend, right?
0: Uh, that's the plan.
2: Okay, we're going to get have a get together on Saturday evening at one of the um, hotel bars at, at one of the casinos. It'll be a bright side solar panel, uh, fanning the flames, all that uh, kind of grouping. Last year we had about 20-plus people who showed up. Uh, it was really fun. And uh, this year we're hoping for more. I hope you can make it too.
0: I love it. I Well, we got to rep the uh, Suns post game show there too. You know, all the people that talk about this basketball team should be represented. So hopefully I'm there. Always love hanging with fellow Suns fans. Dave, always a pleasure coming on with you too. Best to Tim and Espo and, uh, Suns fans, hold your heads up, man. This is, uh, this is going to be an interesting summer, no matter how it goes. And then, you know, let's see what happens with this squad. I I think, uh, you know, I'm always positive, and, and I know that that might drive some of you crazy, and that's probably why I got some hatred the other night because, you know, even when it seems like you have no reason to be positive, somehow I'm trying to find a way. And the reason that I stay that way is because I just prefer it. I think that living the other way seems miserable to me and just doesn't really make me smile or happy at all. It doesn't help me with my family. My kids don't want to see me, all that stuff. So I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to try to be happy about what went down and hopeful about what's about to. And uh, maybe some of you guys will try it too with me and we'll see you in Vegas.